Well, we're glad that you're here and glad that you made it in. Uh, maybe you had to detour a little bit or sit in traffic for a little bit, but we're glad that you're here. I almost did not have my sermon notes in the first service. This is total like parent of toddler problems, parent of kid problems. Because I opened my iPad, I hadn't looked at it in a couple of days, I opened my iPad to get ready, and I got this message that says, please put in your passcode. I don't have a passcode. I don't use a passcode. And so I'm like, okay, where? And so I realized that Nora, my five-year-old, obviously has been changing the settings on my iPad. So like... We're almost preaching time in the 10 o'clock. I leave, I go to the preschool room, and I'm like, I need Nora, please. Nora, come outside. I was like, Nora, did you put a passcode on my iPad? She's like, oh, yeah, my bad. Takes it out of my hands, puts the code in. I don't even know what it is. Hands it back to me. He said, here, Dad. So I got my notes. I'm ready to go today. I'll find out what the code is later. Um, but, uh, but really are excited that you're here, and uh, it's going to be a good time. How'd your horses do yesterday? Did y'all do all right? Anybody have always dreaming? Anybody? Anybody have a friend who never actually wins money but swears they were going to pick that horse? Anybody? Yeah. It's like, I don't pick them, but I've got like six in a row. It's like, no, you didn't. Stop it. Um, anyway, so uh, it's going to be a good day. I'm glad you're here. Faith is believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. Faith is believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. I read that quote last year from one of my favorite authors, uh, Philip Yancey, and just decided, you know what, I'm going to adopt that as my definition for faith. Faith is when it makes perfect sense in hindsight, but makes no sense in the present. Faith is when it makes perfect sense in hindsight, but makes no sense in the present. And today's message is all about, about faith. We're finishing a series today called Dumb Things Christians Say. How, how many have ever had a Christian say something dumb to you? Come on, let me see your hand. How many Christians in the room have ever said something dumb? Come on, let me see your hand. So we've been talking about some of those statements. It's not just Christians, but we, but we tend to be pretty bad at it. And, uh, and so today we are going to be ending this series by talking about this statement. You must not have had enough faith. You must not have had enough faith. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll get back to that in just a moment. But let me give you a quick recap of the series in case you weren't able to be here. The first week we talked about the statement, too blessed to be stressed. It's like bumper sticker Christianity. Somebody says too blessed to be stressed, somehow insinuating that if you love Jesus, you should never be stressed. But we want to karate chop those people in the throat because that's not true. Um, the Bible's filled with examples of people who loved God and who were incredibly emotionally unstable and, unstable and, uh, and, and just crazy people, honestly. And uh, even Jesus dealt with it on the night before that he was arrested or the night he was arrested. So should we live in a constant place of stress? No, we should not. But God isn't bothered by our uh, emotional instability. He's not intimidated by uh, our craziness. And he meets us, we said that first week, that he meets us at the peak of our stress and he meets us at the depths of our despair. That's what's so great about Jesus. So then last week we talked about the statement, God won't give you more than you can handle. God won't give you more than you can handle. And how that's crazy because God puts us in situations we can't handle all the time. 
And yes, it's true that we're never tempted beyond what we can handle. That's biblical, that we're never tempted beyond our ability to say no. But somehow that verse has been kind of used to say that true, that life, you never face anything in life that you can't handle. And that's just not true. Matter of fact, God's greatest lessons to us are taught in the moments where we feel the most overwhelmed, when we feel the smallest, when we feel the least capable, that's when we learn to trust God. So last week we ended by confessing, God, I can't, but you can. I can't, but, but you can. And so this week we're going to finish up with this statement, uh, you must not have had enough faith. Now, this is, um, is a statement that's said a lot of different ways. It may have never been said exactly this way, but the general premise, the idea is that someone at some point said to you or you said to someone else that something bad happened in someone's life or something good didn't happen because they didn't have enough faith or we would even go as far as to say, you know, they didn't pray right or they did something wrong. So they got cancer or the car broke down because they, you know, did something bad or, you know, they prayed for something that didn't happen and they just didn't have enough faith. If you had had more faith, maybe it wouldn't have happened. And so maybe that's been said to you. Maybe you've said that. But here's what's interesting about this statement is that I think we say this to ourselves more than it's said to us. I think that when life throws us a curveball or when prayers aren't answered or, you know, whatever the scenario is, I think we tell ourselves all the time, like, well, I must have done it wrong. I, 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 must have, I must not have done it right. I must not have had enough faith. And we start beating ourselves up. You know, it's funny because everybody has those, um, those little unwritten rules. We have those little superstitions, right? Like when we, when we have a, a job interview coming up, you know, we, we got something that we do when we pray. Or maybe you put an offering in the bucket. Or maybe you grew up, you know, learning like motions when you pray. Or you grab a cross necklace. Or you come to church. You haven't been in six months, but you come because something's coming up like we would never own them and say, well, you know, maybe it's more superstition, but like there's something inside of us that really kind of believes there's a, there's a method, there's a formula, there's a, there's a thing that you do. And what's, what's tough about it is when we're talking about faith, we can be tempted to believe that there's a formula. That there, 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 there is a way, there, there is a quantity. We can figure out how much faith, how much faith does it take? You know, that's one of the reasons the statement's so silly is like, well, okay, maybe I didn't have enough faith. Well, how much do I need? Like, how much is enough? I mean, what, what, is, the, what is the right amount? Or, or, or how, how do I pray the right way? Did I, did I pray the wrong way? Did I say it right? Did I say the wrong thing? Did I upset God? Did I not, did I not do it the right way? And we start believing that there's a formula that you have to follow. But if you followed Jesus for any time at all, you know there's no formula. Some people pray five minutes. Some people pray three hours. Some pray kneeling down. Some pray in the shower. Some pray in like this fancy old like Shakespeare language. And some people write their prayers in a journal. Some people don't pray until they're desperate. Others faithfully pray every day. And so if you try to start figuring out some kind of formula, some kind of gimmick, some kind of like, well, if I'll do it this way, pray this way, say this, then this is going to happen. Really quickly, you're going to be frustrated with God. Because you start reading the Bible, start reading Jesus walking around healing people. He did it different like every time. Like one time he spit, you know, mud, spit in the ground and made mud. 
And then another time he just touched the guy. And then another time he didn't touch the guy and he went and dipped in the river. And, you know, then another time he wasn't even there. He just spoke it miles away. Another time he saved somebody before they died. Another time he let somebody die. Then he raised them from the dead. So, like, you can't piece together this perfect little faith you know, potient recipe that if you pray this way, if you do it this way, if you attend church three times a month, but, you know, God will answer your prayer. But if you only attend two times a month, like, it doesn't work that way. If you could figure it out, somebody would have already done it, wrote a book, started a TV show, made a bazillion dollars. Because we're desperate to know. We want to know. We're so desperate. How can we raise our answered prayer percentage, our APP, right? Like, what's your APP, Right. How can we raise our APP? I want to know. And we find somebody who, you know, seems to have prayers answered, and we're like, what, what do you do? Like, well, what's the secret? Like, what, you know? And we, and we don't, we, we can never really figure it out. And, uh, and so when we, someone says it to us, we begin to think to ourselves, like, well, I must not have had enough faith. What we're saying is you didn't do it right. Here's the problem. There's no right way to do it. There's no right way to do it. Now, I'm going to be honest, and, and I'm going to admit to you that today's message has been pretty challenging to, to put together because I'm naturally wired as like a fixer. I'm, I'm, I'm naturally that, I'm wired that way. And so I have been working for a few weeks now to try to put together a message on faith that answers all of your questions. So I want you to leave today with no questions about faith. And so I've been like writing sermons, throw, ripping them up, throwing them away, calling other preachers I respect. Like, well, how would you say it? And then they say it. I'm like, oh, I don't like that. And then they say it. And then I think I have it. And then it leads me to another question. And then it breaks up all my theories. And then like, it's been so frustrating because I desperately want to explain faith to you in a way that takes away all of your questions. But if I was even able to do that, it wouldn't be faith anymore. It would be, it would be a formula. So here, here's what we're going to do, okay? We're just going to throw a bunch of spaghetti at the wall today, okay? We're gonna, it's going to be like eating jello with a fork. Like I'm just going to throw out like everything I'm learning about faith. I'm going to throw out everything that I'm, I'm learning that I know to be true about faith. There's a lot more that I, I don't know than that I, that I do know. But I'm going to throw out the things I'm learning about faith and the things that I do know about faith. I got four or five of them. If we have time, we'll get to all of them. But I'm just going to throw them out and just, we'll just trust the Holy Spirit today to, to kind of fill in the gaps where you, need, um, where you need them filled in. Here's what I know for certain, okay? What I know for certain is that there is a tension between the role that faith plays in our lives and the unexplainable, unpredictable nature of God. Right? Let me explain what I mean. What I wanted to do today was I wanted to stand up here and to say, you know, the statement, you must not have had enough faith, is so ridiculous. It's so dumb. Like, that's crazy. But then I started reading the Bible, and here's, the, like, Jesus said it. Jesus said, you must, you didn't have enough faith. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to call Je Jesus a dumb Christian, so we need to back off that a little bit. <laughs> and... I started finding these stories like there was a day when Jesus healed a leper and he said to the leper, he, literally he said, your faith has healed you. I'm like, hmm, okay, well. So obviously faith was a huge part of this, right? It seems like the dominant part. But then there was another story where Jesus went to Nazareth and the people were not, 
kind of digging what he was doing. And the Bible says that he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Okay, wow. So here's another story where it seems like faith was the factor in the outcome. Maybe there's something there. So then just about the time you get ready to lock in and say, okay, so it is faith. Then you find these stories where it just looks like Jesus is showing off. And it has nothing to do with the person. And they didn't even say it right, do it right. They just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And God did something awesome. So there's this tension between faith and the unexplainable, unpredictable nature of God. There obviously is, is a part that faith plays in our prayers and in our dreams and in our expectations. But there's never a guarantee. The moment you try to figure it out, there's never, there's never a guarantee. So I want to read a story in Matthew chapter 17. If you've got a Bible, you can flip over there. If not, it'll be up on the screen for you. But it's Matthew chapter 17. It's going to start with verse 14. And here's my goal today, okay? We're just going to throw the spaghetti at the wall. And, and here's my goal. I want your faith to increase. I cannot promise you that I'm going to answer all your questions. I cannot promise you that there's not going to be some parts where you're like, I don't know if I understand that. But I want you to leave here today full of faith. I want, let me say it this way. I want you to get your hopes up. I want you to get your hopes up. I'm so tired of people telling me don't get your hopes up. I picked a long shot yesterday in the derby, and I had some realists around me saying, that's never going to happen. Get your hopes up. Come on. This could happen, right? So in, in all seriousness, I want you to get your hopes up. Whatever it is you're praying about in your life right now, dreaming about in your life, whatever it is that you're afraid of, whatever it is that you're doubting it will never happen, or you've just kind of decided that, that, that something's going to be this way forever, my goal when you leave here today is I just want you to get your hopes up. And don't let, you know, Debbie Downer, Debbie Doubter, devil's advocate, whatever, don't let them tear down your faith. Get your hopes up. God's got big plans, great plans for your life. So let's get our hopes up. That's our goal today. All right, Matthew 17, verse 14. Here's what it says. It says, at the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them, talking about Jesus and then three of the disciples. And a man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or in the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. So Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? Now just stop right there for one second, because here's what I'm going to do. You don't have to go with me. I just want you to, I want to explain. I'm going to go read something from Mark chapter 9. It's the same story as this story from a different perspective, and they give us one little caveat that Matthew 17 doesn't give us, okay? So we're still in the same story. Mark 9, 22 through 24 says this. The dad then to Jesus says, have mercy on us and help us if you can. And Jesus says, what do you mean if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. And the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Okay, back to Matthew 17, okay? So Jesus says, bring the boy here to me. And then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy and, left, and it left him. And from that moment, the boy was well. 
Here's the part I want us to get to. Afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast out the demon? And then Jesus says, you don't have enough faith. So there it is, right? There's the statement. The disciples are like, why, why couldn't we do what you just did? And Jesus says, because you don't have enough faith. I tell you the truth. If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. And this is one of those stories and statements by Jesus that just causes so many questions, right? Statements like, if you believe, anything is possible. Just wrap your mind around that one for a second. Anything is possible if you believe. He, he said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And so I love these kind of statements. I love these stories from Jesus because it makes me optimistic about the possibilities. Like you can't read verses like this and not get a little bit excited, a little bit optimistic. Like, wait a second, if I believe anything's possible, if I have mustard seed faith, you're telling me mountains can move? Like, that cracks me up a little bit, right? But it also convicts me. And it also, also makes me feel a little bit inadequate. Because Jesus is saying here that if I believe anything is possible, that mountains can move. And I, and I read that, and I'm like, wow, anything is possible. And then I think about my life, and I realize I'm over here praying for, like, my aunt's cousin's brother who has the flu, Right? And no offense to your aunt's cousin's brother who has the flu, but come on. Jesus said anything is possible. Uh, you know, one of my pet peeves, and I probably shouldn't tell you this because maybe one day you'll be in a small group with me and then you'll know like I'm, I'm saying, thinking things in my head. But I get so frustrated when like you get a bunch of Christians together and you take prayer requests. It's the most puny, wimpy prayers ever. It's like, anybody got any prayer requests? Well, you know, just pray for me. I've been having a little knee trouble. Okay, I mean, I want to pray for your knee, but come on, anything is possible. It's like, well, just, you know, pray for me. You know, my, my sister, my sister's fiance, he's, he's having a little trouble at work, doesn't really like his boss. Okay, but come on, anything is possible. Mountains can move here. Come on. And so, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, it just bugs me. So, um, so Jesus is like, man, anything's possible. A little bit of faith, mountains can, can move. And we're praying about the flu and the head cold. And listen, I'm not belittling the man cold because it's legitimately hard. We call it Jay Bola at our house. It'll take you out four or five days. Anyway, and so I'm convicted and I'm challenging you the same way I challenge me. What kind of mountain moving prayers am I praying in my life? What kind of mountain moving prayers are you praying in your life? Anything is possible. Anything is possible. So you hate your job. Where do you want to work? How much money do you want to make? It's like, well, I don't know. I feel greedy. He said, anything's possible. Uh, what, what kind of guy are you looking for? How tall does he need to be? How muscular does he, how much money does he need to make? 
Okay? We've been settling for here. He said anything is possible. Right? Are there more important things in life? Yes, there are. But anything is possible. So, so what prayers are, are, are you praying? What, what mountain-moving prayers are you praying? Now, most of my life, I've read this story in Matthew 17. And I've always felt like that Jesus was kind of grumpy. I've always felt like that Jesus was like having a bad day and he was like frustrated with the people and, and, um, and he's frustrated because of their lack of faith. Because, you know, like he's like, you wicked generation, how much longer will I be with you? It just sounds like he's very like, you know, frustrated. And the disciples are like, how come, you know, this, how come we couldn't do this? And he's like, you didn't have enough faith. I just kind of always pictured him like being mad about it, like disappointed in his disciples. You do a little bit of research, and what you find out is that Jesus in this story was using hyperbole. Now, for those of you in the room who are really intelligent with high ECT scores, you know what hyperbole is. I'm married to an English teacher, so I had to ask and, uh, and found out that hyperbole is exaggeration to prove a point. It's something we all do. We all use hyperbole. Um, it's just exaggeration to prove a point, right? Um, it's like when you say something costs like a billion dollars. You know, or, or it's when you say you're so hungry, you could, you know, eat your arm. Or it's when you say, like, I just have a million things to do. You have six, but it feels like a million. <laughs> and so you don't want all your friends to think you're lazy. So you're like, I just got so much, a million things to do, right? <laughs> and there, there's even, you, you see a lot of hyperbole in advertising. Um, sure. Like Geico says, so easy a caveman could do it. I don't know how much time you spent dealing with insurance, but like, it's not that easy, right? Uh, Red Bull says it'll give you wings. It won't really give you wings, but you do feel high uh, uh, when you drink that. Um, <laughs> but this is my favorite. This is my favorite, right? Oscar Mayer Wiener, their slogan is, it doesn't get any better than this. <laughs> Win the Powerball jackpot? Nope. <laughs> Free trip to Hawaii? Nope. Just one Oscar Mayer hot dog. Does it get any better than this? Here's my point. Jesus was not, he wasn't literally trying to quantify a faith. So for all the type A you know, fixers in the room, you read this story and you're like, okay, perfect, got it. So how much exactly is a mustard seed of faith? Right. <laughs> so you're saying, I need this much. Like, how much is that exactly? I thought I had mustard seed of faith, didn't have, I didn't have enough. So like, how much is a mustard seed? And then the mountains, what kind of mountains? Like, is, can I say that? Like, you're trying to figure out the formula. You're trying to say, like, Jesus gave us the amounts. He was not giving the amounts. The purpose of this was not a quantity issue. Here's what Jesus was trying to do. Jesus was not grumpy. He wasn't mad. He wasn't disappointed in his disciples. He wasn't coming down on them. He was trying to encourage them. So this is what happened. So the disciples come to Jesus and they say, how come we couldn't do that? And he says, because you don't have enough faith. And so if the disciples are anything like me, Jesus says, you don't have enough faith. I'm thinking, I suck. Like, I'm a terrible, I'm, I'm an awful person. Like, I, I don't have, I'm walking with Jesus for a living, and I don't have enough faith, right? And so, you, I, the Bible doesn't say this, but you could probably think, like, I can just kind of picture the disciples be like, oh, my bad, I'm terrible. You know, like, just being, beating themselves up a little bit. And so, Jesus, not upset, Jesus decides, you know what, I'm going to exaggerate. 
Now, let me stop. And this Can mountains move? Absolutely. We'll talk about that in a second. But Jesus decides, you know what? I'm going to make a point here. So as the disciples are feeling down and frustrated, and here's Jesus saying you don't have enough faith. So the disciples are probably thinking, man, it'll take me like 50 years to have enough faith for Jesus. And Jesus, kind of knowing what they're thinking and feeling, says, listen, you don't need a lot of faith. Like, don't, don't miss the point here. Like, I know you're disappointed. I know you're discouraged. I know you wish you could have helped that guy. I know you think you have so far to go. But listen, you just need a little bit. You just need a little bit of faith. You just need like a mustard seed of faith. And here's what's crazy. If you just get a little bit of faith, you will be amazed at what things start happening. Just a little bit. You get a little bit of faith, that mountain will move right there. He's probably pointing at a mountain. You just get a little, because the disciples are thinking like, man, we'll never have faith. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Listen, don't think it's here. You don't have to get here. We don't even know where here is. Listen, all you got to do is just have a little bit of faith. And a little bit of faith will cause big things to happen. You just need, you just need a little bit. And so maybe you're here today and you feel like the disciples felt like there's this huge gap. Like you're a terrible person. You're a terrible Christian. You don't have enough faith. You know, you, 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 know, just, you just can't get it together. And it'll take so much time. You're so, you, you struggle with doubt. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I mean, I'm just trying to have faith in God, but I just have so many questions and I struggle with so much doubt. And, and I just don't know what, and you think like, man, I have so far to go. Jesus would say the same thing to you that he says to the disciples. Listen, just a little bit of faith is all it takes for big things to happen in your life. Just, just, just a little bit, just a little bit. So for the time I have left, let me just, I'm just going to tell you a couple things I'm learning about faith. Write these down because some of these will really help you. Um, just write these down and, and, and put them in your phone. Take a picture of the screen, whatever you want to do. Let me tell you what I'm learning about faith. Number one, here's what I'm learning about faith, is that faith and doubt can coexist. Is that faith and doubt can coexist. I didn't always believe that. I, for, for a long time, I thought that if there was a little bit of doubt, then you didn't have faith. I thought I was required to have faith beyond a reasonable doubt, right? But I love what the dad said to Jesus. He says, I do believe, but I also don't believe. I do believe, but I don't believe. It just depends on when you ask me the question. It just depends on what day you catch me on. And so I'm learning this in my life. I've got this balloon to kind of illustrate what I'm trying to say here, but I'm going to talk a little bit about how it is for me. It's a little bit different for everybody, but for me, I love to spend time with God in the mornings. Do I do it every day? No, I don't. I have four children, and, you know, some days, like, you're just trying to not die. So, like, you just, <laughs> like, everybody got back in the bed breathing. That was a win. Today was a win. So, not every day, okay? But at least every other, I mean, a couple times a week, for me, I'm just talking about for me, I got my spot. I'm going to get me a cup of coffee. I'm going to go outside. I'm going to sit in the gazebo in the backyard, and I'm going to spend time with Jesus. And here's what happens when, when I do that. Not because I'm specifically asking for it. Not because there's some, like, book about faith I'm reading. Just spending time with God, I am filled with faith, okay? So this, the balloon, is me, and I'm playing God in this story, all right? <laughs> So, so I'm filled with faith. I'm ready to charge hell with a water pistol. I'm ready to like go attack somebody. I'm ready to like take over 
for Jesus. Whatever it is I'm praying for, I'm walking out thinking, it's a lock. Like, it's, it's going to happen. But then Andrea calls and says, we're having car trouble. Nothing kills faith like car trouble. Can I get an amen? amen. It's like, I think it's just going to be $180. Oh, $1,180. Gotcha. Okay, so... So the next thing that happened, next thing I know, I was filled with faith for like a little bit of life, like, and I'm leaking a little bit, right? And then I find out that some friends of mine who I thought would be together forever have decided to get a divorce, and it causes me to wonder, like, you know, like, is it possible? And, and I'm, I'm, I have questions. And then somebody that I love gets a report from the doctor that's not good. And the next, like, I'm, I'm leaking faith. And here's what happens. If I don't make sure to get back to my spot, and, and spend time with God, I just keep leaking faith and leaking faith and leaking faith. But what's amazing, about 48 hours, 72 hours, I get back out there with God, reading some, some scripture and, and pray and writing in my journal. What, what happens? I got some faith. I got some faith. And then life starts happening a little again. Let, let, me, let me tell you what happens to me. Everybody's a little bit different. But because I'm so like ADD, when I close, I, I close my eyes and my mind just races. Anybody, you're like that? I mean, I, 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 I it's kind of TMI for you here, but like I kiss with my eyes open because it's the only way I can focus is I kiss, I, like <laughs> freaked Andrea out like our first kiss. She opens her eyes, I'm staring at her. It was crazy. So, <laughs> so, but if I close my eyes, I'm thinking about something else. I just want to focus. Same thing when I pray. Like, I pray with my eyes open. Because if I pray with my eyes closed, I'm thinking about, you know, soccer and golf and church and, you know, whatever else. And, and so, like, I, so I have to have my eyes open. So when I lay down in bed and I close my eyes, I have, like, a million scenarios playing out in my mind. Actually, in Psalms, the Bible says, it's, I'm paraphrasing, but it says something like this. Like, wild animals come out at night. They go back in their cave and when the sun rises. And I, there's something really to that because, like, it's like I feel the most attack. I feel the most, like, I'm just, I struggle the most at night. If I don't hurry up and get to sleep, like, I really struggle because I'm thinking, like, man, somebody's going to break into the house. The car's going to break down. We're going to run out of money. My wife's going to leave me. Sometimes I'm thinking, like, she's behind me right now with a knife. I got issues. I'm just telling you, like, <laughs> I don't know where it comes from. Crazy man up here, right? So... I got to get to sleep as fast as possible, right? But if I can just get to the morning, and the Bible says that weeping endures for night, but joy comes in the morning. Like, if I can just get to the morning, like, and get with God, then, then faith starts filling up again. And so, like, it's not I have 100% faith and I have no doubt. It's like today I got faith and then at 2 o'clock I had a little less faith and then at 4 o'clock I got a call about an answered prayer and I got a little more faith and then it's car trouble and then a little less faith. So it's like 75%, 40%, 80%, 90%, 20%, 30%. It's back and forth. Faith is so fickle. And so it's not a matter of like you have faith and you have no doubt. No, it's what the dad said to Jesus. Like, I, oh, I believe, but I don't believe as well. And I need you to help me right now believe more than I don't believe. Help me, help me believe. And so if you're here today and you're like, Jason, I just have all these questions. I just have this doubt. Like, okay, that's okay. It's okay. Like, you have faith too. Faith comes from God. So we go to God and we say, God, help 
me believe. Help me believe more. So that's one thing I'm learning about faith is faith and doubt can coexist. Second thing I'm learning is that prayer is an art, not a science. Prayer is an art, not a science. For me, I can just speak for me. I know it's a little bit different for everybody. I see Rob McGuffey sitting down here, one of the elders at the church. Rob, like, feels God when he's in nature. I feel mosquitoes. So that's not, that's not for me, okay? If there's no Wi-Fi, I'm not going. So I, for me, like, I, there are certain times when, like, for prayer, like, I'm in my spot or whatever it is, and everybody's spot's different, and, and, and I talked about how prayer fills you up. Like, for me, I had to learn to, to find where I could pray, and it had to be somewhere where I could just be myself. I really struggle to pray around people. That's kind of weird because I'm a pastor. But like I really struggle to pray because I'm thinking like, what are they thinking? What, do they like this prayer? Does that sound like a good prayer? Like, are they impressed by that prayer? Like, should I say it like that? Then I start trying to sound smarter than I am. And then I try to like, I, I'm, just, I, I, I'm just being honest with you. So like for me, I gotta be, I gotta, Jesus said in Matthew 6, get in the closet and just talk to me like you'd talk. And so once I really grabbed a hold of that, like I could start praying and, and I could really spend time with God because it's just about me and God. And so here's my challenge for you. It's not a science. It's not a formula. It's not a recipe. It's not a cookbook. Some people pray like 10 minutes and they do like five two-minute prayers. And I, I don't know. It, it actually changes. Like things are for now and other times it's not. Like just find a place where you can be you. And if you will just be you, and you'll talk to God. Like, you'll think you're crazy at first. But like, if you're in your car, like, just talk to God. Like, God, Jason said to just talk to you, so I'm just going to start talking. Like, yeah, you're talking to yourself is what it'll feel like, but you're not. And your heart, promptings in your heart, things in your head, it's not a science. It's an art. And it's, it's a dance. you got to learn. you got to do it more to figure out how to work. But the more that you pray, the more you'll want to pray. And so don't, don't worry about if you're doing it right. If you're doing it, you're doing it right. You hear me? If you're doing it, you're doing it right. All right, number three, things I'm learning about faith and prayer and God. I'm learning that faith and doubt are contagious. That faith and doubt are contagious. So it fills my balloon when you tell me how God answered a prayer for you. That's why testimony is so powerful. That's a church word. It's a Bible word. But a testimony is just when you share a good report about something God's doing in your life. So when you tell me like, hey, I was praying for this job and I, I got this offer and my faith is lifted. And I'm thinking, well, if God can do it for you, God could do it for me. No, right? But doubt is also contagious. You ever notice like you get around a negative person or two and then like the whole group is negative, Right? The, the, the whole group is cynical. The whole, like, so, so doubt and faith are contagious. And so one of the reasons that you need to be in church more is because you need to be around people who are filled with faith. So, so maybe your spouse drains you. Maybe your kids drain you. Maybe your boss is a jerk. Maybe like whatever it is, be here more. And what should happen is every time you walk through the doors and then leave the doors of Hope City Church, uh-oh, <laughs> You should feel like that. You should feel like that, right? And yeah, life happens, but you get around people with faith and it fills you back up and it fills you back up. If you are constantly around people who are doubting, realists, tell it like it is, truth people, 
uh, you know, whatever it is, like find new friends. Find new friends and tell them, like, like I just got to find more positive people in my life. I'm sorry. And you'll be amazed how much better your life is. Andrew and I made a decision very, very early on in our relationship. We are not going to hang around other couples who hate marriage. Like, if you're always talking about the old ball and chain, if you're always talking about, like, oh, God, like, we're not hanging around with you because we love marriage. So we just started finding people who love marriage. It's a separate topic, but it's the same with faith. Find people who are, like, every time you bring something up and you begin to say, but I don't know, be like, no, 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 don't say that. God's able to do that. And you'll start, you'll start believing, okay? So it's contagious. A lot of things are a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, if you keep saying, like, I'll, I, I'll never have money. I'll never have money. I'll never have money. You're probably never going to have money. I hate my job. I hate my job. I hate my job. You're probably never going to enjoy your job, right? And so it's not magic. Like, it's not whatever you say. Like, I'm 6'4", I'm 6'4", I'm 6'4". Like, no, you're not. <laughs> but, but it's crazy how powerful your words are and how powerful, um, you know, words are to, to, to other people. A lot I could say about that, but I don't have time. Here we go. Um, last one. You ready? Here's what I'm learning is that discouragement is usually impatience. Discouragement is usually impatience. I I just got to speak for me. Here's what I'm learning for me is that most of the time when I think God has said no, he's just said not yet. Almost every time. I think God has said no. He's really just said not yet. I used this example a couple years ago, but I'll use it again. When Sadie was five, maybe six, I can't remember, I think five, she said to me, she said, Daddy, I want golf clubs for my birthday. Well, that's a lock. I mean, if my daughter wants golf clubs, we're getting golf clubs, right? And, uh, and so, like, she asked for something that I wanted her to have more than she wanted to have it. And so it was, it was going to happen, right? Now, if she had said to me, I want a car at five, I would have said no. But it wasn't really a no, it's just a not yet. Because I will get her a car, but not yet. So she could pout and cry and be like, well, you didn't give me what I asked for. Well, you're five. When you're 16 or 18 or whatever it is, we'll get you a car. Or 30 or whatever it is, we'll get you a car, right? (laughs) So it feels like a no. But it's just a not yet, right? If she would have said, like, Dad, you know, I want a stripper pole. Never. Like, no. Like, Dad, I want, you know, marijuana. No. Right? Because I know what's best for you. And even though you think you know what's best for you, you don't. So that's going to be a no. Okay? So there are things that you're praying about that you think are good for you that are terrible for you. God says no. There are things that you're praying for that will be good for you later. God, it feels like a no, it's a not yet. And then there are prayers that you pray that God's like, I've been waiting on you to say that. Yes, 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 yes. Those types of prayers are usually, God, send me to help someone today. Show me somebody who needs help. God, how could I be more generous? God, I like answered, 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 right? And so in my life, when I look And I'm disappointed because it feels like my prayers weren't answered. Most of the time, if I'll be patient, it will be answered. 
but it was just a, a not yet. And so as I've started keeping better notes, I'm looking back and realizing, man, God's answered so many prayers. I, I found a journal entry from August 2015 the other day. I wrote down 16 prayers, and I'd forgotten about most of them. And I looked, and I highlighted the answered prayers, where 13 of the 16 prayers had been answered, and three of them were still a possibility. Now listen, I'm not saying that because I'm bragging, because the truth is I forgot about most of them. But if I hadn't kept those notes, I would have never given God credit for answering the prayer. He did. I'm just usually impatient. I'm just usually impatient. Mountains will move, but usually an inch at a time. Like, have you ever noticed when somebody's losing weight or growing and like somebody who hasn't seen them in six months, like, oh my goodness, they've shot up. It's like, really? They look like they always look. It's just somebody, you've seen them every day. And a lot of times God's miracle power is a lot like that too, right? Um, Trees grow a day at a time. Mountains move an inch at a time. So, So hear me. Just because God hasn't doesn't mean he won't. And just because he didn't doesn't mean he can't. Just because God hasn't doesn't mean he won't. And just because he doesn't, didn't doesn't mean he, he can't. I don't know why he does what he does and how he does what he does, but I know this, I need to get my hopes up. I need to believe that anything is possible. I need to believe that it, it doesn't depend on me. The only thing that, 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 that is dependent on me is just believing more, hoping more, getting my hopes up, being more confident, not just believing that God can, of course he can, but believing that God will, believing that God will, that we're going to move past believing God can. And, and most of the time, we're going to hope that God will. But there are those moments in life, those seasons, those times where we don't just hope God will, we know God will. And people say, well, how do you know? I don't even know how to explain it. I'm just telling you I know. I don't know when, but it's not a matter of if. It's just a matter of when. It's not a matter of if. So get your hopes up. Maybe you didn't have enough faith. Guess what? We all need more faith. We all need more faith. God's plans are bigger, greater. So yeah, you need more faith. So do I. So do all of us. So whatever you're praying about in your life, whatever you're dreaming about in your life, whatever it is, that the mountain that feels impassable and impossible, believe. Don't quit believing. Don't have hope. Get your hopes up and believe. And I really genuinely believe that at some point, at some point, you'll realize that mountain has moved from here to there. Let's pray.